0: Log Talk Radio. It's due time with Pastor Steph. How are you this morning? That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God. Where were you yesterday? Ah, oh, yesterday we were shaking the Monday morning news with the due time crew. And we talked about the East Cleveland police officers who pulled pulled the people and robbed them for all their little money and marijuana. Yeah, this is what they were doing for one whole year. They stole people's money at the tune of four. $15,781 from six victims. Yes. And for being such upstanding citizens, they received two and two and a half years prison sentence. Now, again, you know, we just got finished talking about last week about the sergeant in Indianapolis who stumped the man in the face and got a year and a day. And, you know, now that we're facing cops gone wild, we're trying to really figure out, you know, where's the justice? Well, Pastor KL and Shanti feel that, uh, you just might get a little more justice than you think. And once they get into the jail, they may meet a whole different fee than they even anticipated. So, hey, you just don't know. You just don't know what might happen. We also talked about the man who tried to sue the hospital for $643 million. After he claims he was forced to watch his wife's e-section and how he now has a psychotic illness, you know, he said he was forced to watch her organs and all this blood, and, you know, now he's mentally ill. Well, they didn't let him wait. No, the Australian... People had their say and they said absolutely not. They did not see any evidence that this forced move by the hospitals you know were you know they were negligent in any way. You know as we talked the, the, the uh, questions came out who forced you? Nobody could have tied you down and made you watch, made you stay. And I'm so glad that this did not win in the court of law. So there was some justice, at least in Australia there was. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of migrated into our own questions. And one of the questions, you know, our... Ex-President Trump. He's been indicted several times over and over and over again. And they're trying to figure out, well, how come he's not in jail? Well, come on, y'all. Like I read yesterday, they're still hoping for Homeboy to not only run, but win. Two thousand twenty four. Now it will be it it would definitely be a sad day in the United States when if the old president Trump were to get back in office. Yeah. We're not trying to hear that And you know He's lost a lot of his people Who did vote for him At one time Yeah, everybody ain't his friend no more No No, no They're not his friend as much as they were before So Hey You know, I don't think he's going very far So, you know I think we're gonna get a little reprieve from that one. Well, you know, we could not have a proper Monday morning without the switch and yesterday's switch with shot Give your mind to God. Whoa. Hey one. Give your mind to God. Now, I don't know what that means to you, but Give your mind to God is pretty low when I hear it, when I hear it. And, you know, the thing about it is when you give your mind to the Lord, you have to really give your mind to the Lord. It's almost like surrendering. (laughs) It's almost like surrendering. It's almost like submitting. You can't do this part. You know, you can't go a little way, you can't go in ten percent, can't go in fifty percent. You know what you say like nine and a half just won't do. Yeah, it's one of them things. You can't, you know, do it that way. You've got to go all the way in. Because I'm gonna tell you something, you know, contrary to what some people say that the devil can get in your mind, no, God does not give him that kind of access. But, you know, he is so influential that All he needs is to manipulate what we see, and that starts to mess with our mind because at the same time, it messes around with our own spirit, with our own flesh, and when all that stuff gets together, it is just a big old mess, and your mind is a terrible thing to waste. (laughs) No, for real. You know, if you don't give God your mind, you you will find yourself in, in a major deficit. And and that's, that's the real deal right there. You know, if you don't give God your mind, then you're going to be all over the place. And that's what we're really getting to see up close and personal right now. Just a world where they haven't given God their mind, and now you have just utter chaos. And, and let me tell you something. Shantese uh, brought up Romans 12. Let me tell you something. You need to go read that, Romans 12, 1, verses 18 to the end. I think it's 31 or 32. And it talks about God leaving us to a reprobate mind. Well, in the message version, it says, ignoring God leads to a downward because God says that, you know what? When you ignore the things that I have given you, then after a while, I'm just going to step back. And here's the scary part. God doesn't say he's going to do this with your mind. He's going to do that with your mind. Do you realize that all he's going to do is just step back and leave you to you?
2: Man, do
0: you know what that means? Because it really gives us an understanding that we can't function without God. Yeah, we can't function without God. Our functioning, quote unquote, is an utter mess. And just to think, you know, God stepping off of my mind, away from my mind, not helping me with my mind, nah, that, that's not going to be good. Yeah, listen, sometimes we, we say we leave out the room and we go to the kitchen, but when we get to the kitchen, we can't remember what we went to the kitchen for. Now, think about that on a permanent basis. And we have to start all over again. And then we get back to the room like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Think about that on a permanent basis. Time kind of like 193. That's what we're talking about. So when we get our switch says, give your mind to God. If you have never really thought about it, it's time to think about it. Because it, it's, it's, you know, as my mother used to say, it, that, that thing is serious. <laughs> That's some third stuff right there, yeah, it's, it's, it's a danger, it's a danger zone, and when you read that Romans 12,1,18 on, you really get an opportunity and a real good snapshot at and, and, and what we would be if God wouldn't step off. And you're looking at it now. You're looking at it big time now. So, mm. oh, I keep saying Romans 12.1. I'm so sorry. It's Romans 1. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. It's Romans one eighteen on. Thank you for the reminder. So. They got me, they got me, they got me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, please forgive me. Romans one. 18 to the very end. I don't know why I kept saying it the other way. But uh, see what happens when your mind is not together? (laughs) And I'm real funny about quoting scripture wrong. But thank you for the the correction. Um, But hey, 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 hey. You know, let's get it together. That's all I'm saying. Let's get it together. And let's take that switch tip to heart. Okay, okay. Wow. Today is Let's Talk About It, Tuesday, Church Folk Day. Now, I don't know how much church folk we got up in us, but leave it to our our, our panel today. I'm sure they're going to come up with something, because I don't have anything. I just got a bunch of stuff that we can talk about, and I don't even know if I want to talk about that stuff, but I won't know until we get there. So, go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go ahead and tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph. It is art, and whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't go anywhere, because we will be right back. There's a crisis in America. More than half of us are overweight. The advice experts agree on is to eat more fruits and vegetables as part of a healthy diet and be physically active. Eating five to nine servings of colorful fruits and vegetables and being active every day will help our kids stay healthy and fit. Eat smarter, be active, and get healthy, America. Because the figures don't lie. Welcome back to Itch. It's Time with Pastor Steph, and it is Let's Talk About It, Tuesday Church Folk Day. We're in the week. We're in the week. And thanking God for knocking on the door this morning and waking us up. Let me just take a quick second to say to one of our loyal listeners. Welcome back, welcome back. It is a pleasure to see this number pop up this morning, giving God thanks for you now I feel like uh i'm 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 doing better now. I'm doing better now i got my got my right arm back thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for joining us and thanking God for where well, he's got us this morning so. What we talking about? What we talking about? Well, this one is going to hit some of us real hard. 58,000. Are y'all listening to this number? 58,000 pounds of ground beef. We call over possible E. coli contamination. Now, this came up in my news stories, and then when I looked, I had gotten this uh, piece of information from one of our other loyal listeners. They had sent this in more than, this days, more than. 58,000 pounds of raw ground beef has been recalled because of possible E. coli contamination oh boy now this business Green Bay Dressed Beef is recalling a little over 15,000 pounds of raw ground beef and That's according to the USDA website. This company is based out of Wisconsin, and they say that a sample batch of this beef was tested, and it tested positive for some Shiga toxin-producing E. coli, and I was looking through the. Um, I was looking through the article here, and this was one article that just gave us the batch of beef. Now they didn't tell us where it was. Oh, like what stores, you know, you can always kind of backtrack. They say the only thing they really tell us about location that they feel are affected, Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio. Normally it'll tell us which stores it was delivered, you know, and distributed to, but that's not here. They're just telling us that if you bought it, uh I don't know they they have some like numbers here and I they, well they've got some numbers on the plastic tube, so I'm going to post this on our facebook page and if you don't have facebook, just go on fifty eight thousand do fifty eight thousand pounds of Ground beef recalls, and it'll give you all of the lot numbers that you know are affected. Okay, and mm, wow, I'm getting a hit here. And they're saying how ironic that the E. coli occurrence happened when yesterday was National
2: Cheeseburger
0: Day, when many restaurants had discounts or free burger office, man, definitely we need to pray for the burger eaters because, like I said, they only claim that it's in three particular states, but whenever they do that, I'm always kind of leery because can you really trace air where this stuff goes? Thank you for that hit and that piece of information. Always oh, got my people in the back looking out for me. Yeah. Oh, but check this out, y'all. Er, there are three lots, and one of the and and I you know I know those of you who know know a little better, but just to watch out for the wording, it says one of the one of the lot numbers is called beef halal fine ground. Yeah, and you don't really find those two words together halal. And beef. (laughs) So be careful. Be careful. And then be careful. Man, I tell you, this is why even when you eat your beef, please make sure you eat it where it's pretty much cooked thoroughly. I don't know how people are still eating this partially raw meat. Man, talk about setting yourself up to beef. Sick. Ooh. All right. What are we talking about? Well, check this out. Now we've been talking about this school bus driver shortage, right? Now, how do people set themselves up? You have this New Jersey school bus driver who was fired after he stopped at his house. <laughs> with the kids on the bus, y'all. I'm like, yo, are you serious? Oh boy. So he picks the children up and then he stops to his house and of course leaving them unattended. So didn't have a matron on the bus while he went inside. And he said he went inside because he left his drop-off roster. Now, I don't know what he could have done, you know, in the absence of his drop-off roster. You know, I'm sure, you know, this being the beginning of the school year, he hasn't really mastered that in his head yet. So, you know, he's, Still in need of this list. And they're saying it's an unknown number of students who were left on the bus. They were only unattended for about three minutes. But, you know, that was three minutes that cost you your job. Oh boy. Now, they claim, the district claims, that they were made aware of the incident after the students were already dropped off at their homes. So I don't know what you know or who blew the whistle on them. And they said that they went on the company's website and they snagged them for saying, committed to transporting the tens of thousands of students that depend on us daily to get to and back from school safely. They also snag them for saying receive, that their drivers receive full training to ensure they are up to our safety standards. So, you know, I hate when people can snag you on stuff. (laughs) They are not, I'll tell you every little thing, they are pulling your coattail for. They are not playing with you. That was that was pretty dumb though, you know. And I say that because, you know, you have, you already have all of this scrutiny going on, especially with the with these school children. You know, they're watching every little thing that's going on. So you need to really be just kind of. Smart. <laughs> and not do dumb stuff like that. Now like I said, I can't imagine what he should have done. You know, this is your roster. You know you you know you gotta pick the kids up from school. But what you do with them after where you, you know, go after where you go first. I remember my mother used to drive the, the van for the camp and she I mean she studied. She was up the You know that Saturday night, that Sunday before camp started, making her route, you know, putting it together, and I mean, just babysitting that thing and working it out. Cause that's like some science. You know, who you gonna drop off first, and who you gonna pick up first, and blah 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 blah. And you pretty much do it the same way backwards. But you've got to get that down, and you've got to call the parents and let them know this is the time you'll be there. And I can't even imagine this man without his list. So, I don't know what he was supposed to do. Maybe he could have called and they could have maybe text him or emailed him. Some new roster, I don't know. Or maybe he thought he was going to get into some trouble if he let them know he had left his roster. But, man, three minutes, three minutes cost you your whole job. Mm, mm, mm. Now, speaking of driving When I tell you These people have lost their ever-loving mind Now, if you can't handle it Close your ears for a quick second Probably for about the next three minutes Because this hair So you have this oral surgeon Who they say sexually harassed His chauffeur Now, I was trying to figure out what could they be talking about. And, boy, did I find out. So, they say that this Christopher Jackson, 23, was hired by this doctor to be his personal driver in April of 22. And he was supposed to take him from Queens where he lived, to his Jewish studies, to get coffee, and then to his sixty fifth street office in Brooklyn. And then finally back home at the end of his day. Now, this is supposed to take place between five A. M. and seven PM and you know, he was driving around this Cadillac Escalade. So, you know, he was flexing. Oh boy. Well, I'm still trying to figure out as I'm reading, like, what in the world, what is this sexual harassment issue about? Because it's a man. What could he be saying? Now, we just got finished talking a couple of weeks ago about the guy on the airplane, right? Mm, mm, mm. Well, oh my goodness gracious. So this, this, uh, this dentist who's 40 years old, started talking to the driver about how small his penis was, meaning his personal size. And the driver says that this became an obsession after a while, just to keep talking about this. And he would bring this topic up like four times a week. And saying that he wished (laughs) He could add inches to his penis. Now, why do you feel other people need to hear this? Here, yes, he wished he could make it larger. He told Mr. Jackson that he had a horrible sex life, and he said he joked about the driver's sex life, and told him something about, you know, how they could drive past some hotel or motel and, you know, I guess maybe some partner, he could find him, you know, the dentist could find the driver. And it was just like the conversation was just out of this world. So he told the doctor, the dentist, Hey, you know, I don't want to hear this. Can you stop talking about this? Can you stop talking about this? He said he made several, several requests. He said the dentist did not care. He did not stop. And finally, he was like, well, you know what? I don't have to deal with this. He said at one point, it just got even worse. And he just said, you know what? Um, I'm not dealing with it and he finally quit and he ended up filing a lawsuit and you know didn't I just get finished talking about the reprobate mind you can't you know wherever your mind goes you, you just cannot talk to people the way you want to talk to people, you can talk and say the things that you want to talk and say, talk about, and say it is not up to you. It is not up to you. Now, you know, I guess you know the the the, the driver. He says he was really annoyed because he figured, you know, that this this dentist thinks that you know he's got money. And you know, people with money think that they control you and he said, No. He does not control me and you know, hey, I'm I'm not I'm not dealing with it. Now they say that. The doc the doctor didn't deny anything. What he did do was he apologized and he said he was just joking. And it was all locker room talk. And then, again, I say, who says that I want to talk or hear about what you want to talk about? And you can't make a person's environment uncomfortable. And once they tell you that they're uncomfortable, then it's up to you to make sure that you do what you need to do. Stop talking. Just stop talking. So I, I can't even imagine you know, being in that predicament as a woman and you have somebody talking about something as sensitive as that. Cause you don't really want to hear none of that. You really don't want to hear any of that. Oh. What are we talking about? Oh. It was not just mind-bang again. So, out of Florida, you have these two women who were drunk, and they were young, 19 and 20. They are young. They're not dead. They are young. And they said that they were arrested because at about 1 o'clock in the morning, they had a baby... Literally a baby, and they were tossing the baby back and forth between the two of them like the baby was a toy outside of the bar. Now, didn't we just get finished talking about what was it last week about the people, the, the mamas being at the bar and the kids being at the bar? Yeah. So I don't know how. The baby to the bar You know Who brought the baby To the bar But they say these two women Were And They said that the Distance between the Two of them was about Four feet Can you imagine this Can you imagine this About Four Four, four, four feet. Up, um, four feet. What in the world is again? Now we're already dealing with a possible reprobate mind, and then you're gonna go add alcohol to that. Okay. One of them was on crutches. Are you ready for that? She was on clutches, and she threatened to hit one of the bystanders who was pleading with them to stop abusing the baby and throwing the baby around. And finally, they called the cops. Now, let me tell you how these two, these two were dressed in bathing suits like thongs yes two baby suits now the name of the bar they were outside of uh, was called coyote ugly you there? Mm. oh boy they said they were flinging the baby around turning the baby upside down and at one point, then they were clutching the baby in their arms. They said, "Oh my goodness!" They flipped the baby up and upside down by his ankles, and they were out of control. And they said to even a, um, they were so out of control that the woman actually struck the baby. I'm sorry, struck the person who was recording because she didn't want her recording. And they said when they took the baby to the hospital, an x-ray revealed, they said a that looked like the baby could have had a broken arm already in the past. And they're trying to give the baby to the grandmother as they are holding these women on $3,500 bonds. So, we have to pray for our children. They so don't stand a chance out here with these stupid people. They so don't stand a chance. What else are we talking about? Well, I thought this was a really interesting story here. Now, they're saying that there's been this big stir at the U.S. border when it comes to the migrants. So they said a migrant group of 2,200 people turned themselves over to the authorities, and they showed them all lined up and being processed by border control. And they claim that this has been going on for a minute now. And they're going to the border in droves. And another time, it was another 1,700 migrants. And they're going there telling them that there was some announcement that was made on social media and on the internet saying that if you went to the border you could get access into the United States with no problem. And what they're what they believe is actually happening they think the drug cartel are sending these groups of people to the border because when they do this there's like this lengthy process it distracts the border control people and now they can do their drug and human smuggling without being disturbed. Now, they're not saying the actual process of, you know, I guess the switch base, actually, but they're saying that this has been going on for a minute, and they believe that the drug cartel is the one that's putting it out there, and it's happening mainly in Venezuela. And like I said, they've been lined up at the border because once they go and whatever it is that they're doing, it's illegal. So now they've got to take the time to process all, you know, these people over. And they're saying that they had 4,000 people in custody. On Monday alone. And they figure if they overwhelm the system that the Border Patrol is out of control and they can't pay them no mind. Well, it's probably true. And let me tell you something. These drug cartels, they probably got half these people paid off anyway. They probably got these people all paid off and they ain't paying no attention to this drug smuggling and this human trafficking that's going on because they're saying this human trafficking is
1: huge
0: and a lot of authority figures are turning a blind eye to this issue so They're saying also that they have people actually working and gathering up their money so they can buy plane and bus tickets out of town into the United States. And they say they saw a lot of people walking along the roads and the highways. Trying to make it happen, and they say even one day they saw this boy, like ten or twelve, selling bottled water and candy on the street in order to make the money for the parents to get, you know, enough to bring him over here, and they say that's not normal. That's not normal at all. That you know they don't really do that much. Whatever this particular area was, so mm, they say they believe that the cartel's been doing this since March and April. So I tell you, if they just picked it up in March and April, it's probably been, probably been going on a whole lot longer. It probably they just probably. were spotted this at this time. So, let me say something. These people are not going to let anything come between them and their drugs and their money and what even if they pay these people to go to the border and make these claims then and they lost no money. A little couple of pennies they're going to pay these people. They have not lost a dime. Because it don't take much to, quote unquote, pay people off for robber. So, they got a little kitty for that. So, that's nothing. That's nothing at all for them. What else are we talking about? So you have this mom who's been charged with this crazy situation. So she has this 11-year-old son, and they say she left the son in the room with a dead man for hours after she had some drug-fueled sex party in the room with two other men. And she took this kid, checked in at the Beach Golf Resort and Spa, and she did whatever she needed to do with the men, and the son was right in the room. Now, do I remind you that he's 11? We're not even talking about a 6-year-old or 3-year-old. No, 11. So afterwards, she snuck off with one of the guys. And this other one, who was a 60-year-old man, she left him in there snoring with the kids. So when they went back, they found him unresponsive, called the paramedics, and they declared him dead. So now you left your kids in the room with a dead man. Well, you know what? Was was that a favor by God? Because we don't even know what he could possibly could have done to the kids. So you know what? We don't know what God did. We don't know what that intervention was or why it happened. Because every time we turn around, we hear that, you know, these kids are being left. With these strangers and these people are sexually abusing these these children. So, yeah, we don't know. We don't know what kind of intervention took place. But yet again, you've got this negligent mama doing what she does best, being negligent. And I can't even imagine you leaving your kids. In a, room, in a room while you doing what you're doing. Eleven. Eleven. I tell you, this is a scary world. It was just, at one point, you didn't, you didn't treat your kids like this. You took care of them. So they have her in some detention facility where they're holding her at $15,000. I say they need to hold her with from, with a bigger dollar. She don't need that. The $15,000 is too small. Oh, boy. Wow. Well, what else am I going to talk to you about before we talk to our due time crew this morning? Hmm. I don't know I don't know well let's talk to our girl Shatis, for a couple of minutes good morning good morning how are you? I'm fine thank you how are you I'm okay then I'm okay I'm looking at this whole host of stories that we just got finished talking about. Which one piqued your interest the most? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you mentioned a few, but this last one, um, with uh, the mother leaving the child outside of the, the two playing Frisbee with the baby. But this one here... Um, the mother doing her do with her baby there, her big baby there, and then leaving him in the room. I don't know who she thought was going to babysit who, if he was supposed to babysit the man or (laughs) if the man was supposed to babysit him. Mm. But she just left him there while you went and, you know, did whatever, you know, whatever additional stuff with the other guy. Like, I, it's, it, You know, and I really feel so bad for these kids because I always think about, like, the our babies, you know, that we have in the church. And we always laugh because when we hear stories like this, you know, a lot of times we think about our kids, like, they would have been in there. We probably would have had to take time to detail, We wouldn't have been able to leave to go do nothing because by the time we would have said, I'll be back, and they started getting crazy with their mouth. We would have had to take time to beat them, and the man would have probably been like, you know what, I'm good, Just I, I, I'll, I'll check you later. And then we would have beat them again, because now you have messed up what I wanted to do and all that. And it, it's sad, because it's like, how you don't even understand what you're now breeding when you do this to these children. You know why now a lot of these children grow up to be so aggressive and angry and and mad and you know, bullyish or you've always wanted to fight or the complete opposite, why they're so passive, why they're so sensitive and quiet and you know, a lot of times now you look at them like something's wrong with them, but you're the reason why they're like this. And you have mm-hmm. no idea, you know, even like like you said, which is a great point, you know, maybe God snatched the breath out of the man's body because he knew the man would have probably tried to do something to you know the, the child. But even if he did it, you know, let's just say he stayed asleep the entire time. You've already traumatized this kid. And then on top of that now you're gonna leave him alone with it it's like what what kind of desperation is going on in your mind that you're now going to do something like this to your child? You know, it, it says a lot for drug and alcohol abuse. And, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to those drugs, it we have seen time and time again where it simply doesn't matter. Nothing else matters when it comes to a person getting their drugs. The children don't matter. The home itself doesn't matter. Uh, Marriage doesn't matter Nothing Mm -hmm. matters when it comes To this drug use And you know I'm really There's some research that I'm doing Because there's a real hard conversation That I'd really like to have here On its due time And you know I'm really it's, It's so sad You know we just got finished talking about Okay so this mom is telling her drugs The other two Dodos, it's them and alcohol. And you don't Mm -hmm. know who was the mom between the two, but now you've got them tossing the baby four feet. There was nearly four feet. With crutches. Two women. Yes, and you're on crutches. So how good was your balance? You know, when it comes to this alcoholism, when it comes to this drug abuse, it, this this is this this is bad. This is really mm-hmm. bad. They say they were they were flipping the baby, throwing the baby up in the air. They were um, mm. uh, dangling the baby by the ankles, you know. And, and, oh and, they, what, and you? I'm I'm surprised that baby. Had, um, I'm not surprised the baby showed signs of a broken arm. You can only imagine what's going on in private. What's going on in public? You can only imagine what's going on in private. So I I don't know. I don't know, you know, what this world is coming to or where it has landed. (laughs) Excuse me. But I'll give you an opportunity to talk about one more before we let our Pastor KL join us. Another story. Um you have the, the oral surgeon or you have the like the cartel. One of those two. The oral surgeon or the cartel? Um <laughs> I'm I'm I f i am forgetting parts of the story about the cartel but the oral surgeon that apology was bogus. You ain't sorry.
2: Yeah.
0: You're now mad. <clears throat> your mad is a little sweet now. Because you're talking about this is a conversation you bring up repeatedly throughout the weeks that this man is driving you around. That wasn't by accident. You want to talk about <clears> the <throat> penis. And now <laughs> that he wants to sue you, Because he made it known that he don't want to hear about that. Nor does he want to contribute to the conversation. Now you're sorry. No, you're not. And I hope that he takes him for a whole lot of money to it. Now you got to take the train to and for work. You can't even afford another driver. Because it's, it's just disgusting. It's just people think that they can just say and do whatever... And it doesn't matter, and like you said, Pastor Steph. Especially people who have money. I mm-hmm. set the tone. I make the tone. I can do what I want, and, and don't don't let them work for you. Oh, please! They're really subject to whatever mood you're in, or whatever you want to discuss. It, it's it's ridiculous. So I I really hope that he's able to that the driver is able to get a nice amount of money to where now that's really affecting you because now your your dollar amount isn't what it used to be. That you don't need, you know, if mm-hmm. someone is serving you. You know, as your driver, I'm serving you. I'm now responsible for your safety. I'm saying, how can I focus on the road properly? And this is what she's talking to me about. How can I be, Uh, On point as a defensive driver when I'm ready to drive us both off this cliff because you won't shut up about this. Even after I've (laughs) asked you to stop like people don't, you know what I'm saying? This is like, because you're so consumed with what you want, you're not thinking like as a driver, I have to be on point and there's nothing wrong. You know, you should be able to converse with your passenger. You should be able to converse with your driver but they they just take people with money, for the most part, they they take this to a whole other level. I'm so sorry for you. I hope they need to practice. Because if you're talking about this to your driver, what are you talking to your patients about? Mm. You're not only having this conversation yeah. with your driver. You're having this conversation with your patients. You're having this conversation with what do they call them their their A's or whoever the people are who assist them in there. You're having you uh, a, conversation uh, uh, the you're having a com- right. you having a conversation with your front desk people. You the the driver isn't the only one you're you're bullying your way into this conversation with. Uh, I don't know. You know, again, you you were the one yesterday. Who brought up the reprobate mind? And
2: boy, mm-hmm. oh boy,
0: oh boy! If we're not seeing evidence of this mm-hmm. particular, you know, uh, situation, then I don't think we'll ever, ever, ever see the, this. This is this is some bad situation. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Let's say good morning, to, yeah. uh, Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor KL.
1: Good morning, ladies. How are you doing today?
0: Well, thank you. Good morning. Thank you. How are you?
1: I'm well. I'm well. Thank you.
0: That's good. That's good. Oh, we're talking about this situation, you know, in these these stories. And yesterday, the the switch tip was Shanti's Dremble. Brrr, what was it? <laughs> Give your mind to God. And we're talking about a whole series of stories today where it really indicates why we need to give our mind to the Lord. And what came up was the fact that God said he would leave us to a reprobate mind if we just ignored him. You know, and we see the evidence. What do you have to say about that particular uh, switch tip, if you will, give your mind to God? Well,
1: I I think, you know, people have their own um, idea on who God is, on what God should do for you. You know, um, a a lot of times, even in the church world, you know, we we go to church and we wear the mask and we pretend a lot. And we really don't seek God until we need God or until we need someone, you know. And a lot of times we're just playing and, and, and we're just acting out and we're just going through the motion. But then when Pookie gets to jail, then God, I need you. You know, when my lights go out, then God, I need you. When there's a situation going on, I need you. But but when when they're not raining in my backyard, then God is just God, and I know God is God, and I appreciate God. But but until I really need God, I I, I don't really carry like we used to do back in the days. You know, I I really don't go in. You know, I really don't don't. I don't carry God with me every day. I know he's there. He walks with me and he talks with me, but I don't I don't necessarily talk back or listen to him. I know he's there. I know he told me to go left, but I went right because it wasn't dangerous. It it wasn't I wasn't at a place where I needed him. And and sometimes until you need something until you realize what what you've lost, you don't appreciate what you have.
0: Huh. Like Sandy, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: you got that right, Pastor Jim. You got that yeah. right. You don't, you don't appreciate your mind Until you're about to lose it. Which
2: yeah. it's,
0: it's very true. You know, we we shelf God. You know, we pretty much shelf him until well, they pretty much shelf God until they need God. And you know, at one point we all shelf God. You know, and when we realized that we need to keep him, you know, on, you know, uh, how do they say it, um, Shanti, how do you say it in the street? Um, I can't think of the terminology, but, you know, keep him in play. You know, we can't shelter from it, you know, and we need him more, you know, and more every day. And, we show him, yeah, it's up to him whether he's going to answer or not. So I think, you know, you're making a, a real valid point. Nobody's thinking about this stuff until they get it dire straight. And then all of a sudden now, I, I need you, I need you, and I need you. It's like a genie in a bottle. You know, when I'm ready to rub you, the bottle, now it's, you know, time for me to make my three wishes. Uh, that That's really where this world is, and unfortunately, we're going to continue to endure a lot of this this behavior and this treatment until people realize that, hey, you're really going to have to make God your priority, not, you know, just, you know, someone that you go grab when you want and when you need him. So... And it's evidence It's really evident in our news It really <laughs> is evident in our news uh, Well Taking into effect that Or into uh, account That Pastor Jeff Is doing the dad thing this morning And uh, he's at his daughter's school There's a church folk question Where, where we were Where we had left off um, with Chatees, what's the church phone question? What was the conversation about that we were having last? And I said, we have to revisit this. Yes, it stems from the story that you brought up about Air Canada, about the situation with the uh, the flight attendants trying to bully the passengers into sitting in the seat that ha- has the vomit that they barely cleaned up. hmm Um, And the question that stems from that was, why are church folk giving all the power to the world when God has given us, as his people, the power? Mm -hmm. All right. So where did you leave off with that? Where did I leave off? Yeah, I think you were the one who posed the question, correct? yes okay Um. I left I I remember initially stating because um, you asked us something and between Pastor KL Pastor Jeff and myself we were like giving our thoughts on like where we stood as far as what we would do next you know if God forbid that was us in that type of situation so we're on this airplane airplane And, um, you know, these are the conditions and they pretty much tell us we can either leave peacefully or they'll call security, have us escorted off and they'll blacklist us from being able to fly with them. Meanwhile, we're in Canada and we got to get back to the U.S. or wherever we're going. Um, And I remember saying something like, we have to make sure we make noise in regards to that. And then I think it was Pastor Jeff who stated like he agreed, but, you know, um, kind, pretty much kind of like we're, we're a little limited. I don't know if it was because of our like, resources or something, but my my view on it was, you know, as God's people, we, I believe we're charged to now, you know, take a stand, especially for those who can't. You know speak for themselves at the same capacity you know what if it's someone elderly what if it's someone disabled who is in that situation and i'm seeing this for myself now i have as god's people i have a responsibility to now respectfully make noise for them because they can't stand up for themselves the way i could stand up for myself so now they get mistreated like this because they're elderly they get mistreated like this because they're disabled Meanwhile, you as an airline, you're going to continue to do this because you're still getting books for flights. You know, oh, that's what it was. So now, as church people, do we just sit and complain and do nothing but still patronize these airlines or this, you know, restaurant or this, you know, whatever establishment it is, or do we stand our ground as uncomfortable and difficult as it may be at times and really show them that, Us as the consumers, us as the customers, us as the guests in your restaurant, we give you the power. You know, you're only in business because they're patronizing you. They're spending our money. we are giving you our money. But yet we look at them as they have all the power and they dictate the need to go on and they have all the say when really it's the other way around. Mm Hmm. And Pastor K.L., where did you stand in all of this? With this, you know, we give as 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 people of God, we give away our power to the world and to ungodly people.
1: Well, I, to be honest with you, I'm a little old, so I can't remember where I left off at. But, but I, I will say <laughs> this: that, that we as as Christians, we don't recognize that we have power. You know, we read and read and read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, and, and, and don't really understand the Bible. You know, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power from God. You know, we, we have certain, I, I tell people all the time, I say, you know what, this supermarket is is open because of, of God's people, because, because of people like me. Because God knows that I need somewhere to shop. This barbershop is open because God knows I need some place to go. And they, they have to recognize that it's because of people like me, the, the anointing that's on my life, that allows you to have the business that, that, that you have. You know, and until God's people realize whose they are and that God will never leave you nor forsake you then then the world is going to always do anything they want to do to us. Like I, I always give out the, 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 the example of your debit card. You have a debit card, and it's in your wallet or it's in your purse, and it represents the money that you have. But if you do not activate that which God has given you, it is powerless. You can walk around with all the money you want, but if you don't activate the card, mm-hmm. you can't use it. So so until right. people begin to activate that which God has given them, the world is going to always take over. Absolutely. And
0: we we're seeing that happen now. We see that happen when the you when when I go to the the, the the dean or the vice principal and I say, you know what about prayer in the you know in the school before the day starts or in the schoolyard or whatever the situation is and you say well you know there's this thing between you know uh, church and state but yet you hear that the Satan Club is an after school <laughs> is the after school program and I'm like yo what happened to the church and state business you know we don't simply don't fight. We don't put up a fight. And if we don't arm our children that go to the school, then we are completely on the outside. Because if we mm-hmm. don't I can fight to get different programs in the school or on the school ground or certain activities on the school ground, and our children are not armed with prayer and things like that. Then, w- w- then the school is just a pl- an open playing field. And you know, we read the story and... about the Satan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No, no, I, I was going to let you finish. But what I what I wanted to say is that. You know, we're fighting, but we're fighting in the wrong way. You know, prayer, prayer is mm-hmm. fighting. You know, when you're on your knees and right. you know, laying prostrate, you're you're fighting. You know, when, 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 right. when, when you got the ratchet mama going up there and want to cuss out the principal because somebody said something to Tutu, that, that, that's not <laughs> Christian fight. <laughs> right. You know, that that, that, right. that, that fight right. is not going to get you anywhere. But if I go into my right. prayer room, or if I go into my closet, you know what I mean? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most shall abide under the shadows of the almighty. If if I go into my prayer closet, if I just drive my child to, to school and I sit in my car and begin to pray as she walks across the lawn into the school, that's my fight. You know, you, you've got to understand and you've got to know how to fight, you know. They, right. they, the enemy is already is, is already waiting for you to come at him the way he knows that you are gonna come at him, no, but he's not waiting right. for the prayer life. Right. You know, he that that, that that's that's right. the like the enemy can't play with you with because you have more than right. than he has at that point because now you have an advocate that's going with you.
0: Right, that's right, that's right, and and this is why I was saying. You know, when when you go and you you know you know they don't let you into the school and pray. You teach your children how to pray. So you teach your children to go into the school and pray. And I think it was you, Pastor Kale. I was telling the story. Well, you know, I let Chucky tell the story. She can tell the story a little better than I can about you know the the, the scare in the school the day and, and prayer took place. Doctor, tell it and tell the story. Oh, with the little Evangelist. Yes. So I got a call. <laughs> um, I got a call from one of my friends. Um, Abruptly, I was just with her, and she just happened to, when she dropped me off. She went up the block to my niece's school, and she called me about maybe an hour later. An hour later, "Um, You're going to have to come and get Mariah early i said okay what happened she said there was an intruder in the school and she was kind of bugging out so i fly up there or the whole bunch of parents pretty much trying to knock the doors down knock security down um so they were able to bring her to me and you know i started asking her what happened so she wasn't too sure about everything of course she said because they were in the classroom and next thing she knew the principal got on the, uh, the loudspeaker and, you know, just asked all the teachers to shut the classrooms down so the teachers follow the procedure and, you know, turn the lights off, and then she was a scared, but all of the corners, and she said she went to the other students and started praying with them Asked ask, like, you know, what would you like to pray? And they said yes. So they started praying and said next thing she knew, she was crying prior to that, started praying. And then by that time, they were able to one by one, you know, start coming out the classroom and going downstairs to the auditorium. And with all of that, while all of that was taking place, I later found out um, that this guy just walked in off the street, the lady who was sitting at the front. Just let him walk in. He didn't speak English, and he only spoke Spanish. He was drunk, walked in there talking about "I like kids." Was Roman? One of the other teachers saw him. I think on the fourth floor. So he made his way to the fourth floor in the hallway, They were able to get him and take him down to the office. And of course, you know, you have other teachers in there who can translate. And they have to call the cops, and the cops were able to then get him and escort him out. But, of course, they had to keep the students in the classrooms until he left the building. So when she told, when my niece told me and Pastor Cephas, when we explained to her, like, do you understand your prayers with the other students could have very well been with tamed that man, which prevented that man from hiding in a closet somewhere prevented that man from busting into one of the classrooms, um, which prevented that man from when he was detained by the other faculty members. And from my understanding, the female faculty members initially, he did not lash out on one of them. He did not hurt one of them. You know, he didn't just run out to school and now no one, you know, could get a hold of him. So now you're a little afraid that he may come back in the school, that her prayers, God put it on her heart to pray, and her following along with that could have very well been the reason why that story did not end the way we've been hearing going on in these other schools. Yeah, you know, amen, it, amen. I remember asking, I remember asking her. you I, I, I said, well, how did you get them to pray with you? And she said, I said, hey guys. You want to pray? (laughs) I kind of chuckled, but tears came to my eyes because I said, this Mm -hmm. is what God means when he says train up a child in the way they should go. Because, again, Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I spoke to the dean in a high school, and I said, you know, I I want to talk about about the principal. Oh, okay. About praying with your faculty. Mm -hmm. Your faculty praying. And she's like, well, you know, church and state, and I'm saying, I'm myself, okay, we're we going to have to find a way to get this done because, you know, again, the Satan Club is an after, after-school program, but yet you keep telling me about church and state, other, and we talked about this before, other people who other authorities that we've spoken to, you know, they have not opened up the campus. But I think Shati said that, there's a school, or was it you, Shachik, there's a school that they pray before they go into the school with the children and the staff outside. So, yes, you know, yes, people they are had now beginning, you know, now they're, they're be, you have to get more creative because just like you said, Pastor mm-hmm. Kay, prayer changes things. Prayer can reach far beyond what we can reach, you know, tangibly. And and this stuff matters. So you need to make sure your children know how to pray. This is this is urgent, you know. And this takes away the power of the enemy he doesn't know we gonna bust out with prayer. That's right. That? Mm-hmm. So you know it, this is this is crucial, you know, people of God. You know, learn how to. You know, let's stop letting your children look at these, these toys, these games all the time and, you know, playing all the time. We give away a lot of our power to this world. And our mm-hmm. children are really, they're, they're, that's the first access they get to to these children because the children don't know anything. The children don't know anything. Mm-hmm. children don't know anything. Mm-hmm. I'm putting on the floor. You know, Pastor KL, you got a church folk question? Shartish, you got a church folk question? We can open up the floor. Um, Pastor KL, do you have one? I I, I don't
1: have one at the moment. Okay. I'm so, I well, keep that a bunch. <laughs>
0: well, an article. I saw an article about this pastor who's now been accused of murdering his family and setting the house on fire. And this is a youth pastor. (laughs) We're talking about the youth. The youth pastor. And we've had this conversation here before about, you know, vetting these people you know where did this this youth pastor you know come from and nobody being able to pick up on the fact that they're, this person is disturbed and yet again you know here we are with you know the the other one was where he was taking pictures he had put a camera In the dressing room of the church. So when the people were in there changing their clothes, they were being actually watched and they were exposed. and And they didn't know that they were being found. Well, this here, they say that he allegedly stabbed the woman and four children. And he served as the children's pastor at a church. And they the the statement that comes from the church, they say the Crossroads Christian church family is shocked, sickened, saddened by the event involving our former children's pastor. This is a tragedy beyond what any of us could have imagined. And yet again, I ask the question, who's going to sleep at the wheel?
2: Mm-hmm. going
0: to sleep at the wheel? Yo, y'all are putting these people, how are you pastoring children or anybody and yet Your family, Lord have mercy. I don't get it, Chachi, Pastor K, y'all had spoken about this one time. What do you have to say? Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. There were some signs, some way that showed that this youth pastor was not happy, was not on point. There was some screaming, something, something. Because so you're not, I, I'm. I'm finding it hard to believe that every Sunday or Sabbath, or whenever you worship, he's always on time. He's always prepared. He's always smiling. There is absolutely no sign of there being, not even, you know, you thinking that he would do something like this, but of anything, of that maybe, you know, he needs to be pulled aside for prayer, or maybe he needs someone to talk to, or maybe... Like, there were no type of signs at all that showed that something was wrong, that something was off. So everything was just 100%. Everybody was paying 100% attention to him. He was always 100%, and then he just woke up one day and just became Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, there's a lot of times from... Uh, a congregant looking into clergy, it just seems like, for the most part, overall, it's just you're put in this position to, you know, have in the church, and you're just left to do whatever. You know, you you may have to, um, you know, report to the pastor or the deacons or the deacon board or, you know, however that works in the church, but there is no, you know, checking in. There's no, well, how is everything, And if it does, it's like the surface questions and the surface answers. Because for you to snap like this, there's been a few Sundays or a few (laughs) Sabbaths. You've shown something, (laughs) whether it's because you ain't had to talk about your life and now you're kicking a can on your way in. Something, something's been off. You ain't just wake up and you now start stabbing people, but yet, you were completely genuinely fine every day prior to that, so it it just goes to show that you know those over you, you know those over him, or even those who you know the the average congregate, No one is being attentive enough to clergy, and clergy is not being you know honest enough to say you know I, you know this week. I I need a mental health week or I need, you know, someone to come and talk to me about the thoughts I'm having because there have been a lot of thoughts prior to you actually picking up the knife or whatever you use. There were already thoughts of you doing this, but because you didn't check yourself and you sat with it, the thoughts now became an action. But there were thoughts leading up to this. The thoughts that you had on your own, the thoughts that your enemy was already trying to influence, and because you let it simmer, it now became reality. You know, and I'll 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 give this one to you. I mean, and point well made, Chantése.
1: I'll give this
0: one to you, Pastor Kale. My thought is, they say you were the youth pastor, but yet you stabbed poor kids.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm saying to myself, something. It was some. I'm, I'm, I'm so. This this comment, like I said, this conversation took place before. It's something. I agree 100 percent, Sean. And we agree as, as pastors, something that was off. But I, I'll throw this out to you, Pastor Kale. You know, the, my biggest, the biggest alarm that went off in my head was, you were the youth pastor and you stabbed for youth. You know, clearly somebody complained about something. I, I don't know. I don't know.
1: I I I, I kinda of take it from, from a from a different kind of twist whereas uh, you know, we are a brothers keeper but yet we're not. You know, and, and, and that's a sad statement within itself. You know, pastors, you know, we're, we're supposed to be, uh, be concerned about each other, but yet we're in our own little bubble, in our own little world, and we don't see the problem of the next pastor until the problem arrives, mm-hmm. until someone dies, mm-hmm. until someone gets mm-hmm. killed. And all of a sudden, we never understood. You know, what What, what, what mm-hmm. I do understand is that, that I, I in, in my natural life, I, I run 24 stores. And then in my spiritual life, you know, I, I run a church and church people. And sometimes if you don't have time to decompress, you know, right, this right. thing can take you over, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. I, I think that when people expect you to be non-human, because that's what they think uh, mm-hmm. our pastors are, yep. that we are non-human.
2: That's so right.
1: so when, right. when when you become when you don't figure out that you are human and you try to to, to run with the stigma and, and that you are non-human to the people you understand what I'm saying mm-hmm. then, then what happens is that it overwhelms you and then if you put too much pressure in a pipe it's going to bust
2: mm-hmm. you know because
1: here I am trying to trying to save the image of what the people think i am and who i should be mm-hmm. and everybody's grabbing at me and everybody's wanting me to pray and everybody's doing all this stuff and i never get a moment to decompress when this pipe busts you need to get out the way
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and that's a consistent conversation you know that's had you know i i i'll 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 give you i'll throw this out to you so we all know that women pastors have not been received even in two thousand twenty three so there's a, a set of pastors that is a group that's been you know put together pastors who are it's a support it's a support it's, and it's not the i've heard about it a few times people have said, oh you know do you know?" that there there's this group pastors right here in in the New York City metropolitan area where I am, you know do you know that there's a group that you know that that so and so is heading and it's for you know pastors to to kind of hear one another out and be there for one another and um, support one another. And, you know, I think it's such a good idea because, you know, we need those people, you know, we need people to talk to who understand, you know, what we go through and, you know, past only pastors understand what pastors go through. And this whole sale and I wait till they're quiet and I say, but yet here I am, the only female in this metropolitan area in this faith. And not one person has said, Hey, Pastor Steph, come on over. I have my, you know, some, some, you know, of the pastors that I know and they're very attentive, you know, they're very respectful. But on a whole, this is not, this is not something that's accepted. So my question becomes, Well, how are we going to help one another decompress? How are we going to help one another and support one another? How are we going to help? And I understand when you don't even accept everybody, you're not accepting Mm -hmm. everybody. You can't help everybody. You're being selective about who you even help, who's even a part of this clique. So here you have a pastoral group that's a clique. And I'm saying to myself, mm-hmm. same, you're saying, Pastor Taylor I'm saying to myself, well, here you have a youth pastor. And that's one of the reasons why I brought out the fact that you're a youth pastor but ended up stabbing four young people. Something is wrong. Somewhere along the line, you're overwhelmed. Whether the whether the scale tip in the house or whether the scale tipped at church, whether the scale tip at cl- in class, Somewhere along the line, something became too heavy, and we are not uh-huh. here one another the way we should be because we're picking and choosing who, you know, we, we are, we're affiliating ourselves with. I'm, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in a church, and I've looked at the entire roster, and I'm like, not one female is sitting up there. And I'm saying, how do you live like this? How do you live in a world where you're supposed to, this is this is your life? I watched my grandmother my entire life. I watched my grandmother. I sat in the room when she was ordained. I was there. I heard the words. I saw it. And she still, at the end of the day, still wasn't quite accepted. And in this metropolitan area in this state again I think it um pretty much the only female pastor. And it's real. It's real. So where are we? So where are we? We can't get it from the parishioners. We can't get it from our you know, our our congregants because we can't dump on them. So this is something that We're going to be looking at quite often. Ministers are putting cameras, (laughs) or the ministers putting cameras in the in the dressing room. They're killing family members. They're committing suicide. Pretty much because, hey, we're not here. Just like you said, Pastor Kale. if, If you don't decompress, oh, you will explode. Going to be an explosive situation, Chartist as as a congregant. You know where where where's your thinking? What do you think about all of this when you hear a "quote unquote" pastor committed murder? This kind of stuff because it's in the news for real. As a as a congregant, and you know I. I just said this to someone else the other day, and I told them, I said, I really have learned to thank God that I did not grow up in one of those stuffy, strict, non-common-sense church families that's all about a business type church, all about image, because without me realizing it and with me growing up in church but not giving my life until just a few years ago, I didn't realize how I was still being taught by God. That I was still making sure that you, you know, Grandma, all of y'all taught me certain components, even without me giving my life yet. And when you was um, just talking about, you know, you as clergy, you guys can't necessarily unload on the parishioners. We would be the parishioners, like right, Legal congregants, to an yeah. extent. To an extent. You should be able to because as the congregants, as the parishioners, we have an obligation to our pastors. We we may not be able to sit in a room with you 90% of the time as your peers, but this is what happens when you don't make sure you're where God needs you to be because if you're in the church God needs you to be in, and if you as a pastor are moving the way God needs you to move, you're going to set your parishioners up. To have their their own relationship with God, to where they can now be a support system for you when you're down. It's no different than a parent with their child. As a parent, I'm not just supposed to sit here and tell you what to do. I'm supposed to set you up because there will be a day when I'm going to be down. As a parent, we didn't even talk about me getting the old age, just emotionally, mentally. God forbid I could wake up and and, and overnight I didn't had a stroke. But if I haven't trained you to now stand on your own and be able to take charge at a certain point or be able to just level up at a certain point, you're not going to be able to take care of me. As a parishioner, we're supposed to be able to take care of you. But because for the most part in the church world, we are trained, and Pastor K.O. brought this up when – um. When this church question came up even about the airline, because we are trained as parishioners to just follow the leader and not have our own mind, we're trained to worship the leader and not worship God. We don't know how to hear that the pastor needs help because we're trained that you are God, as the pastor is God. And you, God, the pastor, doesn't fail, and you are supposed to always be up and able to tell me what to do, how to think, how to move, how to move in my marriage, how to move with my kids, how to move with my boyfriend, how to move at work, that I don't know how to now. I don't even have the ability to be able to hear that my pastor is upset, that my pastor is sad, that my pastor needs help. And when I was reading, I came across Psalm 141, 6 where it says when God says when their leaders are thrown down from a cliff, the wicked will listen to my words and find them true. And because all we do is sit and listen to these wicked leaders for the most part, we take their word and we don't take God's word. Now, at, a, at Pastor Steph, you have trained this congregation. I can't speak for any other church outside of the seven-day Sabbath Church of God Spring Valley and the seven-day Sabbath Church of God Jamaica Queens. We have been trained to be here for you to the point where sometimes you have to tell me to shut up. We have been trained to support you. And the minute I, I, Pastor KL me and Pastor Steph go at it all the time because we have fellowship lunch at the service and everyone is on rotation to cook lunch. And after a few people couldn't stick it out with God no more and decided to get up and leave the church that now left a week open that no one was cooking lunch. So automatically, me and the rest of the congregation were like, all right, right, going to have to double up? We're going to have to? And, of course, Kenny, she's always with it. Like, okay, I'll double up. I'll cook two weeks. Here come the pastor. Oh, well, I'll cook for that. I'm like, excuse you. You ain't got no time to cook. You have to do this. You have to do that. Once you see this needs to be done, you have to do that. You have to, and she's always willing to jump in and be in the trenches with us, which is great, and which for the most part you don't see in the typical church world. At the same time, I'm in here, and I'm watching her, where she's always willing, but she's not always able. And now I'm going back to the congregation like, listen, somebody's going to have to speak and make a bunch of something. <laughs> because it, it becomes too much for her at times. Not because she doesn't want to, but she it, it becomes too much. So now her and I are battling over her cooking lunch to sit down for a second, chill out for a second, because even though you telling me I ain't your mother, you my mother, <laughs> I'm watching my pastor be overloaded, even with something right. as, as, as this could be looked at as trivial, but I'm watching you where you, un, where you the the chicken, sometimes some weeks could be too much sit down. It is my responsibility, even if that means I now have to cook three times a week. I'ma just have to shed these tears, ask God for the strength, and do it. But we're not. But the average congregant is. Per, we're not trained to do that. We're trained to just lift, them, lift you guys up. And oh no, my pastor is never upset. And it's it's really. And this is what the result is. It, it now comes to where the the clergy doesn't even feel like they can. And you may not be able to do it with every parishioner, but there should be at least two in your congregation that you can go to and say, can you please do me a favor? Can you please go to Deacon so-and-so and -and just tell them, I need 30 minutes. And they say, you know what, no problem, but you need, I got you. Okay, go sit down, let me deliver this message, and I'll come back and tend to you and serve you. You can't do that because it's just I have to keep this image, and it's your fault. Because you have not moved the way God needs you to move to train your parishioners so that they understand that you are human
1: you, 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 you I know what
0: say about that
1: yeah, while I agree wholeheartedly with what sean about that um what 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 you guys have to understand that sometimes as pastors we preach to natural minded people not okay. spiritual minded people so when you preach to mm-hmm. natural minded people, all you do, the natural minded people just see what they see in front of them. So they don't look to the spiritual eye to say, "Hey, you know, Pastor Steph look a little tired," because all they see is the natural. Oh, that's a nice dress she got on. Come on, Pastor Steph, we sure is hungry, you know. But but we don't see that Pastor Steph is tired because we're not dealing with spiritual minded people, and in, in church you have a lot of handicapped people, you know, you have a lot of people that that's coming in because they need the medical care, they need the medics. And all they are thinking about is right now I'm bleeding. Can you make it stop? And then what they don't understand is that sometimes we as pastors, we get up bleeding, you know, and, 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 and we try to put on this bandaid for the people but can none of y'all see that we bleeding too because all that's important is Johnny's doing this I need prayer for Johnny all my life can, can, can we get the, the, the deacon boys to raise offering for my lights can we do this can we do that you do we know that pastor Stephanie has a pack of chicken in her refrigerator no because we don't think spiritually because again, as I spoke yesterday, when you have the spiritual discernment, God will tell you when to bless somebody. God, God mm-hmm. will tell you, "Hey, it's Pastor Steph this week. I know you think she's above everybody, but she needs some help." When when you get in tune with God, you are no longer a natural minded individual in your church, but but the, there should always be growth in you spiritually. If you still keep coming to church and thinking about you and what you're going through and all, listen, Job got released and delivered when he began to pray for other folks. Even though he was going through what he was going through and his wife wanted to curse God and die, he got delivered when he began to think about other people. Church-minded, natural-minded people that come to church is only thinking about themselves.
0: Absolutely. Whoa, what a conversation. I could always leave it to you two to always get that conversation going, those hard conversations, those hard words going. And unfortunately, we're down to the last few minutes of our morning, but I want to thank you both for your contribution into today's conversation. Thank you so much for the stimulating thoughts and and, uh, powerful words for the both of you. Thank you so much and we pray you have a blessed day.
1: You ladies thank as you so
0: well. thank you, thank you, thank you. Ah Well, it's come time for us to go before the Lord. And you know how I always like to say holding hands and holding heart. Heavenly Father God, we come before you and we praise your name and give you thanks for all that you have done, how far you've brought us, how you've emptied us out so that we can be filled again, how you've cleared away the smoke so we can see clearly how you've made a way out of no way. There are times we can't even figure out how you've done this thing or how this thing has gotten done. But all we know is we can say thank you to you because you have never left us. You have never forsaken us. You are a man of your word. You are faithful. You are loving. You are kind. You are dedicated and committed to your word. And we just come before you today on behalf of our leaders. We thank you, God, for all that you have called. Your word says the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. And we know that we are greatly outnumbered. And Lord, we're asking you this morning that we build a true support system for one another. That even though we have some some of our members that are committed and are dedicated to help that have shown us their undying and unwavering support and love, that we still need as leaders for many, many reasons. And we pray that we step up for one another, that we're there for one another. If, even if we have to just take, take them away for a couple of hours, just do what we need to do for one another. Just those small things that we can do for one another that would just help to ease The burden, to lighten the load, we ask God that you just endow them with a huge dose of understanding, of dedication, of empathy, sympathy, and love. That unconditional love that does not say, I don't have the time. I got my own problems. I need to work on me. We ask you, God, that all of that just gets pushed aside for the sake of your people because at the end of the day, that's who we're talking about. We don't preach to one another. We preach to your people. And as Pastor Kale said, we're preaching to a a group of natural-minded individuals. So, Lord, we just ask you to just raise your people up, make them more attentive to one another, more attentive to our needs, and let's get a true support system together. Let us learn to retreat together, to decompress together where we can hold one another accountable for the things we see, the things we don't see, the things we hear, the things we don't hear from an understanding angle. And we would be able to just dialogue with one another. And we can continue to be a blessing to one another. we would not fight against encouraging words words of leadership, words of direction, and understand that God is sending us to one another. Thank you. Thank you for your undying and unwavering love. We ask you, God, to be in the schools. The powers that be, if you will, they won't let us in. But as you have so eloquently shown us, you're going through the back door. So help us. Help our children. So when they're apart from us, they can call on your name when they need it. When they're taking a test. When they feel overwhelmed. When they're being bullied. When danger prevents Presents itself when staff is lurking, or they're at the you know at, at the wheel of sleep, that they can stand up and call on your name confidently, knowing that you're going to be right there. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to just cover us in only a way that you can. We thank you, God, for how you've kept us protected. We're praying over this migrant issue that everyone can be blessed because you can always turn any situation around. I don't care how many people we are overwhelmed with, you can actually level the playing field if you choose to. We're asking you, God, on behalf of our children. We're hearing so many devastating stories that our children are going through. And God, we're asking you to help us. Because while we're being diverted, to worry about a migrant situation or other issues. Our children are being lost and left. So we're asking you to just just raise the bar and pull us up as it's being raised that we're no, we're, we're no longer happy with just where we are, but that we want to step up and stand up We give you the glory and the honor, God. Thank you one more day. Thank you for one more day of investment. In the name of Jesus, we continue to pray and give you the glory. Amen. I love having these conversations. They're so thought-provoking and stimulating. And, I mean, it really makes you look at things from a different angle You know, as we talk about all of these different stories and we then put it together with the church church folk questions and comments and statements, you see where the deficit is. You see that if we, as a people of God, can't get it together, then the world can't get it together. Because we're supposed to be the trendsetters. We're supposed to be the ones who set the, set the ball. We're supposed to be the ones that are the examples. And we are doing such a poor job. We're doing such a poor job. We're letting the cares of the world just pull us down. We're letting the cares of the world distract us. And, and we have to ask, where are we for God's people? For the people who are getting up and they really want to know the Lord. For the people who are getting up and they really want their lives better. For the people who are getting up and their heart is there and they're committed and they're dedicated and they're, they want to see about the church and they want to see the church flourish and they want to see God's people blessed and they want to, they're want they willing to do whatever they need to do. We have to continue to show up for them. And sometimes it's not easy to show up for them. Because as it's been said, sometimes you can't even show up for you. Sometimes you're trying to figure out where God in your life. So how am I going to encourage somebody else? Because we have so many things going on. There's a lot of juggling that's going on. Do you understand that the enemy attacks the, the leader's family in so many different ways? And when your home is out of whack, man, let me tell you something. That, that there, whether it's bills, whether it's your kids not acting right, whether your neighbors are not acting right, whether it's the job and they're giving you a hard time on the job, when your personal life, and everything around it and what's directly, you know, impacting you gets thrown off, man, the enemy knows how to do it. And he's going to pick with you. He's going to pick with you, but you've got to be the one to see the enemy, to see that it's the enemy. And you've got to take that stand. You've got to let the enemy know you can't have, me and my family. You can't have my husband. You can't have my wife. You can't have my children. You can't have my finances. You can't have my sanity. You can't have my neighbors. You can't have my home. You've got to step up and you've got to fight. got to fight to make sure that the enemy knows you're not about to roll over and play dead or die, that you in this fight you have to be in fight, and when you stop being in the fight the enemy wins. when 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 job's wife said, "You know, just curse God and die," had he said, all right." <laughs> <laughs> That would have been a different day. It would have been a different, you know, outcome. You know, I did a a mini sermon on, you know, her stance and where she was. And, you know, but regardless of all of that, Job was the one who was being presented to us. And if Job had taken that attitude to just roll over and die... What would have happened? Look at what he received in the end. Like Pastor Cal always says, after, you know, he took the time to pray for those people who really needed, who thought they knew it all, but they needed. And God, I tell you, God's been picking at me about praying more. So I've been doing a whole lot of praying for folks. Because instead of criticizing, I need you to pray for on Stephanie. You know, or while you're criticizing, ah, I need you to pray. Because we, we have to definitely sound the alarm for what is acceptable behavior and what is not. And, you know, like Shanti said, I, I work hard with the young people in the congregation. Because I'm looking at too many senior fools. Too many seniors, too many people who are in their 50s and 60s. I'm like, yo, no, I got to No, God has said you got to catch them early. So they don't go through these things because a lot of stuff, I'm going to tell you something right now, a lot of stuff is self-inflicted. It really is. It doesn't have to be that way. And I'm, I'm looking at the young people and their fighters. But like Pastor K.L. said, they're not really fighting. You're fighters, but can I tell you something? You're losing. You're losing losing big time. You're not just losing, but you're losing big time. And if you got children, look who you're taking down with you. It's not just you who's going down. And God has given you to me to help him reshape you, remold you. And I always say, Let God reinvent you. I don't care how old you are. want to hear what you're accustomed to, what tradition is, what the custom is. You know, you've always done it this way. If God's word is saying that you do it differently, then that's your responsibility to shift gear and do it differently. Are you going to continue to beat your head up against the wall? Because that's the way you've always done it. I'm talking about even young people. God, that's always, you know, I don't know no other way. And I said, you know what? I can accept that. I can, I can accept that. You don't know any other way. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm not here to tell you. But that's why I'm here to show you from the word of God what he says about what you're doing. I can accept that you haven't done it any other way. I've even accepted when people in their 60s haven't done it any other way. Now, when God has shown you something, when he's presented something new to you, come on, take him at his word. Try, Jesus. You'll never be the same. You've been listening to it's due time with pass the step. Join us Monday through Friday from seven AM to nine AM where we discuss matters of the heart, mind and spirit. As you go through your day. Be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember prayer changes things. It's Pastor the steps down and oh, I wanna thank my minuscule proof for uh, doing what they do and always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us. And we ask you, we come to you, we beg you, please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. If you've already given your life to Christ, please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen that relationship with him because tomorrow and later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares our life. Where is Wild Wednesday? Until then, I love you.